Hey guys, welcome to the Father Seekers podcast, Teach Me to Father. We have we have done some background work on this thing and it actually revamped and rebuilt and reframed how we do it. And I think you like it. At least the comments we've had so far have indicated that it's it's a good change. It's it's a better for us and our audience. By the way, if you want to reach me at Father Seekers, you can do so by f- reaching me at Barry at FatherSeekers.org, Barry at FatherSeekers.org, and you can see blogs, Father Fuel. You can see the podcast. A lot of, of things are happening, and in July, we're going to be adding a merch button uh, for some really cool stuff. We'll keep you posted on that, but today, uh, we're going to finish up. I knew, I knew coming in that we would not be able to finish with the story of Dallas Cox. Uh, pretty amazing guy. And we were having the the pre the pre-show little discussion and Dallas needs to 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 was it rescind a comment? Yes. Yeah, let's rescind I, it. I let's real, start with a rescension. You asked me a question last time was uh what is your favorite food to eat in Vegas? And I and I listen, I love Del Taco, but I realized if you're going to go to Vegas, if you're going to go to Vegas to eat, I know for some of us, that's this is going to sound crazy, but I'm just saying you got to try it. The buffets, <laughs> the buffets in Vegas are the best buffets ever. And I didn't realize how spoiled I was at buffets until yeah. I, the first time I had a buffet in California, I go, what is this? Yeah. This is disgusting. Yeah, this health food in California is like fresh from the field. Hey, bro, I don't care. I want something else. And you could get top quality buffets for like ten (laughs) dollars. I mean, what was ten dollars eleven years ago? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it was cheap because they need to get you in the building. So the first time I ever went to Vegas, first off, I'm not a gambler, and I I didn't really know how to do it. Mm -hmm. And I was out there, and and I had to ask somebody, "How do you do this machine?" So they showed me, and I did it. I thought, oh. Okay. So I walked out in the lobby and I saw this line. It was a long line. Yeah. I'm sure I'll get some comments and letters about this. Emails <laughs> about what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. There you go. Push the button. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I walked out and I thought, I thought it was a geriatric conference in the hallway. <laughs> so, so I'm walking through and I'm looking at all these people. I'm looking at this door into this big, huge, like it's a big seating room. Yeah. The smell was amazing. Yeah. It was, but I'm telling you, if there was a person in that line under 70 years old, I would have been amazed. Cause I'm just saying, <laughs> so I couldn't figure out. So I kept asking and I, I kept wondering and I looked at signs and I, and, and finally, I caught a sign, and the sign said, "Prime rib, mm-hmm. all you can eat, yep. five ninety five. <laughs> that's it. That's so there you go. Yeah. So that's why all the. So I've thought, wait, it's only three thirty in the afternoon. It doesn't open till four. <laughs> so, so, so I'm thinking, wait. Yeah. And then I started thinking. Now that I'm old. Yep. I go, oh yeah, that's that's why they ate early. Yeah, so they it's all you can eat, but all you can eat, but so you eat like a horse. I'm not going to miss out on that prime rib though. No. So if you're no. going to start somewhere, because I know the question might be, well, which buffet? If I'm going to Vegas, which buffet? I would start with the Bellagio. 
and not Golden Corral. We're not talking about Golden Corral. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Golden Corral everywhere is the same. Uh, I'm talking about the casino, uh, especially, I, I would even say the higher end ones are pretty yeah. nice. And they're not that expensive. No, they're not. So no, Bellagio not. would be where I'd go first. Bellagio, what's, what's, what's the one? Uh, oh, I've been to a couple. I want to go to the Bellagio. Never well, been. Yeah. It's like amazing. My uh, my next stop would be Rio because Rio had a uh, I think the it was like the buffet around the world. Mm. You can get everything Hello. at the Rio yeah. one. So. so why are we talking about food? I don't. It's too early. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Wow! Oh my gosh! So we were we were talking about where we left off in our yeah. last podcast about about the transition from from you as a as a young guy being an intern in ministry with some some good guys and learning yep. and making a decision uh meeting Shelby yep uh moving into a formal dating relationship and yep. then then transition to a courting relationship yeah let's 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 refresh everybody's memory starting there and then we'll move into yeah. the transition with you and your family uh yeah so uh i've known i've known my wife since i was 15 years old but i did not look at my wife that way my wife's a little older than me and so she was in the cool club and i wasn't mm. uh, her parents were in full-time ministry uh her dad was a worship pastor at the church i got saved at mm -hmm. and um He's a great guy, but when I first met him, I was afraid of him yeah. because he yeah. would find me. I used to play bass for the chapels at the Christian school that I went to, mm. and I would leave my bass on stage, and I'd just get it later. Mm. He would come find me in class and go, hey, get your bass off my stage. Mm. And I didn't think this was a joke. My wife goes, oh, he was kidding. To who? <laughs> like, to, like, cause I, so I was like, yes, sir. And I remember looking at my teacher, like, can I go now? And they're like, yeah, you can go now. And I would mm. leave class and pack up my base and put it away. <laughs> so, so this was, this was a school based at the church. Yes. Aha. Uh -huh. Yeah. My, that's um, interesting. My parents wanted to put me in a private school because I lived in Las Vegas. Mm. They I can did, understand that. They did not want me to go to public school. It, it would make sense. Because the way you get initiated in gangs is it's like you can bump into it. Like mm -hmm. I just bumped into a guy and I'm in a gang now, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and mm -hmm. it's so from right when I got to elementary school, they said, we got to put you in, we're going to put you in a private school. They put mm -hmm. me in this private Lutheran school, uh, which was great, but it was expensive. Mm -hmm. And then they found this Christian school that was a little cheaper. And I was excited at first because when I, when I went to it, no one was wearing uniforms. I was like, great. I can go to school with no uniforms. And then they let my parents know this is the last year we're going uniform free. Next mm. year we'll be using uniforms. Mm. Like, come on. Mm. Uh, but it was a great school. I loved it. I mean, I, I gave my life to Jesus uh, because of it and um, got very involved with anything there, Christian and, and anything in that because of it. So, so yeah, her, her dad worked at the church that I went to school at. And then, um, Going out of school, I uh, when I graduated high school, I wanted to do ministry. I want to do full-time ministry. I want to mm -hmm. do a seminary. And uh, the youth pastor at the time, John and Priscilla Bohr, said, hey, we're going to do an internship. Now, what's the name of this church? Uh, it it was um, the Champion Center of Las Vegas. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Um, I don't think it's there. No, I'm not. I don't think it's not there anymore. I yeah. don't know if the Champion Center... They went through different leaderships and such, but it's not there anymore. So where the building I was at, I think it's a charter school now. 
so they approached me and said, hey, we're going to be doing an internship. You can get your credentials. You can do all that stuff and just hands-on. I said, cool. Like, that's, I didn't know what else I wanted to do. I, I couldn't get my seminary degree at UNLV. Uh, so I was like, and all right, I'll go. And so I did this internship, and I did it full-time, Monday through Friday. And then uh, Shelby did it part-time just on Tuesdays. And Tuesdays was a full day of leadership, but also we were doing uh, prep for our youth services on Tuesdays. We used the main auditorium. And so we had to convert the auditorium to make it look like a youth ministry, mm. which back in the day mm-hmm. you had, to, you had to put cool yeah. stuff up. Otherwise yeah. it, you know, now what year was this? Oh, this was 2003 or four. I think it was three. Uh, and I did that for four years. Mm. And so, um, so I met Shelby there and I mean, she's always been friendly to me. She's the reason that I didn't quit the worship team. Cause yeah. the first time I played, I thought it was terrible. And she, and I said, I messed up so many times and Shelby goes, I mess up all the time. And I just needed to hear that. So she's mm-hmm. always friendly. Uh, but it wasn't until we were the internship together that I, um, that I looked at her different. And I said, I said last time she got a haircut and I looked at her different, but we, uh, both had the pursuit and desire to do ministry and, um, yeah, now we've been married 15 years, which is mm. crazy. And I still like her a lot. Yeah. <laughs> did she still like you a lot? She's, last time I checked, and yeah. I did check just recently. That was this morning? So, I think yeah. so. Good. Before I left, I said, yeah. I love you, right? And she goes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. well, yeah I'm guessing. Yeah. So, so, so growing up in yeah. a dysfunctional home with yeah. multiple parents, multiple yep. sibs, yep. Uh, you, wandered, you wandered your way into... By, by the grace of God yes. into a Christian school. Yep. Uh, they, they were shielding you from the potential of falling into the world. Uh, and, and at that time mm-hmm. in Las Vegas and pre- prior to, and still, if, if my memory serves me right and stats are true, yeah, is that even now today, it's one of the highest rated cities for teen suicide in the nation. Wow. I did not. Las Vegas. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's one of the highest, most likely it's in the top three. Los Angeles is number one. I think there's Las Vegas and there's some, some of the place, but anyway, you're more likely to be in a gang in one of those three cities than you are not. Yeah. I think Atlanta is the third one, but but the lifestyle that that was up in your face and your parents, mm-hmm. you, you know, we talked about in our last episode about looking back and finding some good things. Yes. And seeing some places where we could mark a spot and say, you know what, even though there was hellfire and brimstone falling around me and I didn't know what was going on, mm-hmm. I could see where God's hand was involved. Even he used my parents to help put me on the right path. Yeah. And yeah. that's, it's one of those things. I mean, we, I think we've all go through moments of our life where we said, if I can go back time mm-hmm. and I would change this, this, and this, but I look at my life now mm. and I know that if anything changed, would it affect my future now? And so mm. therefore I, I used to say it all the time. If I can go back in time, I would stop dating this. If I can go back time, I would say this to this. If, but now everything good and bad have led to where I am now. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I wouldn't change anything now. I, I, yeah. I, even though some of it was very tough times, even though there was moments in my life where I, I still think about and there's hurt there, that hurt and that pain, excuse me, has led to where I am. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I'm in, in, in full-time ministry. Mm-hmm. I'm married to a wonderful woman. Mm-hmm. I have wonderful kids. Yep. Uh, I, I'm in a wonderful place. I mean, I can't change anything. And so, yeah. and so I guess, yes, even though, but at the same time, if I wouldn't change anything, then what can I highlight and what can I allow God to use as a testimony in those hard times yeah. to continue bringing fruit and benefit to it? Yeah. What, what would you say at this point in the podcast, what would you say to a guy who, who grew up fatherless, mm-hmm. who, who had a wreck of a home life? Not in, honestly, yeah. your, yours is, yours is not as bad as some are. Yeah. And, and we know that as fatherless guys, because there's always, there's always a guy out there that's got a little bit worse story, Yeah, but God is able in everyone to redeem and lead us through the, the desert, so to speak into the place he wants us to be. But talk, talk to the guy, just, just what would you say to a guy who's revisiting his story, Mm -hmm. looking back over his shoulder and saying, man, I wish, I wish I would have done that different. The regret part, Mm -hmm. talk about how to refocus not on regret, but review. Yeah. And then, and then looking forward. Yeah. I heard a, I heard a story on a, a Netflix thing today, and I want you to use this framework to do it. Um, it was a, it was a story about a couple of fallen pastors and, and the, the denominations they were involved in. You and I both are aware of that, that yeah. story and that denomination. But he said, the denomination in one country is more interested in preserving the past. Yeah. The denomination in the other country is more, more, um, more interested in protecting the future. Mm-hmm. So what are the things that, that we could do. What are the things we could say to a guy to say, review mm-hmm. your past, not regret it, yeah, but use it to propel you to the future. The first thing came to my mind when we were talking about this was Joseph, because there's a point in Joseph's life where he, and he goes through a bunch of stuff, sold into slavery, you know, um, and then, but it says in the scriptures that God was with him in all these bad times. And then there comes this point where um, Joseph's brothers, you know, come to him and they're asking for help and they, you know, they find out it's Joseph and then uh, Joseph's uh, father dies and the brothers are nervous. They're Mm. like, okay, Mm -hmm. now that dad's gone, he's going to kill us. Mm. Like he's in power. He's going to take, take us out. And they bow to him and they're like, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. And they're begging for forgiveness. And I love what Joseph says to them. He says, what you meant to do was what you went, you meant to do it for evil, but God used it for good. Yeah. And so I think for men who look at their past and people try to do things for evil, I think you need to look at it and go, okay, but what, what did God mean to do in good? Because the reality is, mm-hmm. and I know people love to say the phrase, if God's so loving, why did he love? God was with Joseph in, yeah. in the bad yeah. also. Yeah. And I think because he was, he was birthing and maturing something out of him. And so, so even though... I had a past like this. When I surrendered to God, God said, okay, now I can do something in this and through this that you didn't think was possible. Mm-hmm. And so I think for you, for us, God doesn't want you to live in the excuses. He wants you to grow despite the excuses. Mm-hmm. I didn't have yeah. a father, so therefore I can't be this, this, and this. Right. No, no, no. It's good. You have God the Father, which yeah. we did talk about that you have to distinguish the yeah. difference yeah. between your heavenly father and your earthly father. 
And so I think God's saying, I want to do something despite they, the world tried to do this for evil, but I did it for right, good. Right. I, I heard a guy say the other day, don't, don't get mad at the devil. Yeah. He's just doing his job. You yep. do your job. Yep. And, and, and Paul said, don't give place to him. Correct. Let's talk about, you just flipped a trigger in thousands of guys. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about this trigger. So you said what the enemy meant for, and not our families necessarily. There are some people that I've talked to who their family members are evil and wicked and they deserve death. Yeah, they do. But, but because you experience something as a fatherless kid and it, it still affects your life today, it doesn't mean that your family's the enemy. Correct. What it does mean is that we have to assess that right. Yes. So in assessing that, taking your story, what you just said, God meant it for good. Mm-hmm. The evil that was propagated against us and the proliferation of evil and wickedness in our lives and the attempt of the enemy to destroy us, God in the midst of all that had a plan that he made good mm-hmm. in the midst of the evil. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about how God how God is in the midst of formlessness, a formless yeah. void mm-hmm. that there's there's no no representation of him anywhere. Yeah. And and the scripture says in Genesis there is a, a principle that's there, a, a Latin word actually that refers to creation is ex nihilo, out of nothing. Yeah. So out of nothing as, as we look on outside in, mm-hmm. out of nothing, there was nothing really positive or possible for God in your life. Mm-hmm. But then God did something and got your attention. Yeah. And now you look back on that and you re, you re, when you revisit and not regret, you can see it different. Yes. Yes. Well, what was that? What was that point in time where you recognized the ex nihilo moment where God out of nothing, apparently Mm -hmm. made, made a pathway for you? Um, I think it's interesting, you know, another thing too, where we can find healing when we confess our sins to each other, meaning we talk about our past, we talk about things together. Um, for me, I think when I started talking about my past, out loud when I, when I would be honest and real, mm-hmm. what happened is people would go, my life's the same way, but I'm not at that place. I am with you mm-hmm. that you are with your father. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, like I talk about forgiveness, forgiving my dad and, and forgiving my dad and walking in relationship with my dad. And so, but Two I also very different things. Yes. Correct. Because I think some people can forgive, but they go, but that's all we can do from here on out. Mm-hmm. I just uh, had the opportunity to forgive and move forward with him in a relationship Mm -hmm. and to see a change and transformation happen in Mm -hmm. them. And so, but that happened only because of God, God speaking to me and me being obedient to the call to forgive Mm. because I forgave you, you must forgive him. Mm -hmm. And so I talk about that story about my father being abusive, my father being, um, not physically, emotionally, uh, being absent because he was hustling, trying to, to, you know, get rich and get, and, and bring the money. And there were six kids. And so I get that too, of that hustle, but there was the, the abuse plus the absence, uh, made it very tough to have a healthy relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And so when I talk about these things, but I talk about what God did in that, what's great about that is I get to have guys who come up to me or people come up to me and go, but how did you get to that point? 
What mm-hmm. wait, but I don't, but, and, and for me, I go, Oh, I just, and I go, Oh, I just did this. And so I think what it is, is what's been helpful in that is I have, I'm, I have the opportunity to live through some stuff and allow God to be in those, those things that I'm resurfacing because that's the thing too, is some, what I wanted to do was now that I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, the mm-hmm. old life is gone. Mm-hmm. I was saying everything in my old life. I, my dad's gone. I was content with him yeah. never being my life again. Yeah. Everything I did is gone. Yeah. And so I was not just thinking the, the sins and I wasn't just thinking the, uh, I was thinking the physical, like these people, these, 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 uh, this family is gone and out mm-hmm. of my life. And mm-hmm. I was content with that. And so God had to say, no, no, no. I want to birth life out of that. And I want mm-hmm. to birth forgiveness and you to overcome it. You to overcome the fear of your father, overcome mm-hmm. the anger with your father. I want to birth this out of you. And so despite all of that, I want to get, because why? Because God mm-hmm. is glorified in that. Mm-hmm. I could not forgive my dad on my own. No right, way. Right. It's God alone who right. gave me the strength and ability to forgive. Mm-hmm. And it, was, it wasn't easy either. Even these conversations in the beginning where I would talk about things, he would go, I didn't do that. And I go, hmm. yes, you did. Yeah, you did. And, I, you know, and, but here's the thing, even though you did, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. And then to see that break my father to the point where he had to go through some arrested development himself, mm-hmm. realizing because he did not break the generational curse in his life. He was abused. His father was abused. There was a life of abuse in his eyes. And I might have said this last podcast, when he, when he abused us, it was not as bad as he got. And I agree with him, but doesn't mean it was right. Is, isn't that interesting how we tend to, to make normative? Correct. We, we tend to make normative uh, by redefining our ugly as a little better or not as bad Correct. as I got. So it is better. And so, but because of God, yeah, he gave me the wisdom and strength to say, but that's not right either. Right. That you need to break that. Mm-hmm. Now, thankfully, I have siblings who've never been abused by my dad. Right. They, it's, it's good. It's never it's happened. It's a good story. Yeah. I have I have four siblings who were they, I, even uh, my, my sister, Jessica, who's, 31, she, when I was telling her these things, she was, yeah, I never had that part of dad. And I go, and I'm thankful for it. Mm-hmm. I'm not jealous or envious of it. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful that something happened to break that. Now, I hope it was, when I when I made the decision to forgive my father, I was 16, I think, 16, maybe 17. Um, that's when I made the decision to forgive him. And my sister was only six, you know, maybe seven. And so, so I'm thankful that maybe that helped with that, of that breaking to happen and for that to happen in life. So, but that's, I think to answer your original question, I think that's the, the, the thing I would say is don't bury your past. Let God birth something out mm-hmm. of your past yeah. that only God gets the credit for. Yeah. I don't, I can't get credit for the healing and the hope I have in my past. Only God mm-hmm. does, but I let him in and allowed him to do right. what he needed to do. So, so. With all that, and we just covered a lot of ground, mm-hmm. let's let's dive in a little bit as to how, how because you just said you started this forgiveness process at 16 years old. Yes. And you're, you just turned 40. Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. So, so it's not, 
it's not forgiveness is not a microwavable process. No. Yeah. No, no, no. It's not punch a button, you're done. Also, let's say that uh forgiveness does not mean reconciliation. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It means to forgive, go back to the original offense. Mm-hmm. And begin the forgiveness process there because yeah. that's where the healing really comes from is, is to, even though, even though as we look back at our dads, we could say, I have a right mm-hmm. to, to disconnect and have zero to do with you. Yeah. I have the right. Yes. But, but as men, Jesus guys, we don't have the right. Mm-hmm. Right. So we have to look at it and we have to say, because of what, what the Lord Jesus has done for me, then I have to do the same. Now, I don't have to down a cross for my dad or shed my blood for him, but I do have to forgive yes. with the power that Jesus gives me to forgive. Because in that, it sounds like you were talking about there was a healing process that, that started at mm-hmm. 16 years old. Yes. Talk about Talk about the healing process that started and how it still is working today, mm-hmm. uh, 20, 24 years later. Yeah. They're still processing. Um, so the biggest thing that 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 I healed from was fear. Uh, I had this uh, fear of my father that uh, was arrested in development. And that's the, that's the thing. Is sometimes we are arrested in just even the way I was bigger than my dad. But I was arrested in that thought of when the first time I was abused, he was bigger than me. And it was that that fear that was broken from me and that forgiveness that I don't need to be afraid of this man anymore. I don't, excuse me, and I don't need to um, look at him as a big dad and I'm a little child. And so for me, there, I, there was some freedom of breaking that mindset and that pattern of he is the dominant one and and therefore uh I, I need to you know watch what I say and watch what I do and and, and things like that I've and the and the, the point of that is not I've I've beaten my dad up or anything like that but it's allowed me to be bold with him about things in his life it's crazy to think that my dad asks me marriage advice now like I what? And for when he has certain things, I go, I don't agree with that mindset. Now, before that, I would agree with him because he was the dominant one. But now there's this freedom broken where I go, no, no, I I, I want to tell my dad what he needs to hear, mm. <laughs> you know, not what yeah, he wants to that's hear. Good. And I bring that up because I know, I know dudes who go, yeah, but that's my dad. I can't tell him that. Why? Mm. Why can't you tell him something that he needs? Yeah. Now, again... We it's saying things the right way, so that they understand it, interpret it, but to, to say nothing at all out of respect and honor, and I'm not I'm still honoring my I, father. I've, by, I've heard people say that Dallas mm-hmm. that they they don't want to they don't want to confront and confrontation is not meaning I'm gonna I'm gonna draw blood. Correct. It just means we're looking for the truth to conform to it. To confirm it, but then to conform to it and then to work continuously from that point with the truth together yes. to, to re- redeem this relationship. Yeah. And that's that's a whole explanation in a podcast yeah. there. But but doing that doesn't doesn't mean that I have to 
be buddy buddies with my dad again. Correct. And it I, doesn't. And I know this is not mother seekers, but I, I need people to understand because I mm -hmm. think the mindset will be, well, the reason you have a relationship with him is because you don't feel like you can forgive someone and then move on. No, I mm -hmm. do do that. Mm -hmm. I, I, but I've done that with my mother, mm -hmm. my, my birth mother, I have forgiven for, for the, the abandonment I have forgiven for some of the things she has done in my past. But I realize that going forward, if I, I, there's nothing more that we can grow in or, or do in together that I think will benefit either one of us. Mm -hmm. So I respect her as my birth mother. But going forward, our relationship and our communication is very limited mm -hmm. for my sake, for my marriage, for my kids, for my future. It just it's limited. Yeah. And but I'm OK with that. Yeah. Journey to wholeness has helped me with that a ton. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I make the joke. I thought I had father issues. I had mother issues yeah. that I had to journey through. And so I have to realize you did the best you could. And I'm thankful that you got me this far in my life. Mm but I, I need to go forward from here. Yeah. And so, and so, well, yes. Yeah. What's interesting is we try to figure out whose issues we have. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing that I've determined recently with just reading and listening to people's stories and even telling mine Yeah. is that, that we have issues with a, a dysfunctional broken parental unit. Yes. That's what we have issues with. Mm -hmm. Uh that is that is the that is the the this is this is where the, you know those little red bubble balloons that you are here kind of thing. Yes. So if the if if the function uh, the divine function that God created the family to be if it's not there then then there's compensation on both parts on the kids parts on the left the parent left, the parent departed, mm -hmm. all of that. So I think when we look at that picture, we have to just draw a baseline of operation, a foundation, and just say, we get emotional health yes. from our mom, mm -hmm. and we get our identity from our dad. Wow, yeah. Now, when you put those two together, when I, when, as I looked at that and began to examine my relationship with my mom and my dad, mm -hmm. I go, huh? Yeah. Huh? Because everything that I've dealt with in my life through the journey process is, is based on the abandonment mm -hmm. of my father, but the emotional, mental, and physical abuse from my mother. Yeah. Yeah. And when you put those two together, you've got a perfect storm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You've got true. you've got a perfect storm. Yeah. So so you started the process at sixteen. You and Shelby begin to court, mm -hmm. and and you got married. Yeah. You're in this process of of starting a family. Mm -hmm. You started into ministry. Yep. Talk about when you entered in ministry to, to be a representative of Jesus, uh, a, yeah. uh, a guy that, that preaches the gospel and Shelby mm -hmm. side by side leading worship. Yeah. Going through that and yeah. ministering and finding your groundwork and your identity and in, in who you are in Jesus first and not in, in fighting that little battle of what I do is who I am. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. How did that healing process with your dad work through all that? And I want you to talk about 
the healing process with your earthly dad mm-hmm. and how your relationship with your earthly father work together to help you stay grounded in who you were in ministry, not letting ministry define who you are. Ooh, that's a lot. That's a big, that's a big, <laughs> so uh, that was a run on ask. Um, so, so the, the biggest thing in that was, you know, I'm in ministry because I was called by God and God called me to this ministry. Not that because I had the capabilities or I had the uh, talent, it's just the willingness and the uh, ability to surrender to that. Now, with that being said, going to the health of my, my, my father, because my father was in my life when I went into full-time ministry. And I could tell you, um, and, and maybe for some of you, it's, it's someone else, my father wasn't um, gung-ho about me going into ministry. He actually had a really great friend that was his pastor, a Lutheran pastor, Pastor Dave Hink, and he he understood the struggle he had. And so I remember the first thing he said to me, he goes, you ain't going to make any money in ministry. And I said, I don't really want to make money in ministry. I just want to do what God's called me to do. And so that was hard for him, but he was supportive in things, but he would always challenge me to pursue certain things you know, to, to get certain act, you know, um, statuses and things and, 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 and not that climbing the ladder, but for him, you know, uh, I, I didn't have my license to preach when I was pursuing ministry. And he goes, well, you got to get that. I said, I, I will, I just got to finish the schooling and everything. So he's pushing me in certain things, you know, now, now that you've gotten your license to preach, now you got to get your ordination, ordination. And so I got my ordination and now he's like, now you got, and there's just certain things that, he has pushed me to do, and I appreciate, but I had to remind myself in that I cannot be fueled by his desires and wants over God's calling because God's time is different than our time. And so I had to um, not ignore, but to correct when my dad would go, why, why aren't you here yet? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you having that? Why, 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 why? And I go, because it's not our time, it's God's time. And I'm going to be obedient to him, and I'm going to be obedient that. And so I think that that what helped with that was uh, I had to remind myself that uh, I love my father, uh, but I love my heavenly father more, mm-hmm. and I want to be more obedient to him than my earthly father. Now, thankfully, my father has a relationship with Jesus, and um, a relationship that I I know he's working on, and I know that he he pushes just like anyone else. Um, but as a earthly father, you want the best for your kids. And I, so I understand the truth behind that. Um, but what he had to experience and what I had to experience is I am going to trust God, even when things don't look the way I want it to on paper. Uh, so when I, when I got into full-time ministry the first time, uh, it was the least I ever got paid anywhere. And I moved out of the house into a room for almost a year. And in that, I was like, this is not what God wants for me. Why would God want me to downgrade? And it's, I, I needed to trust God. I needed to be like Joseph. Now, I wasn't in a prison, but I was in a place I didn't think I was going to be when in the ministry. And I think it was because God wanted me to say, are you going to obey me? Are you going to listen to me no matter what? even when it's comfortable, even when it's not comfortable. And so, um, but the reality was, I think going back to the health of my father, there were some things I just didn't tell my dad because I didn't need, 
I guess when when you are when you have questions and your struggles and you go, why am I in this? I think it's very important who you surround yourself with, because are you going to surround yourself with people who are going to um, believe, um, you know, believe that God's got a plan? Hey, I know this is tough now. Or are you going to go to people who are going to be like, get out of that, run away? You know, you need you need to focus on what's best for you. And so I, I think I was intentional on, okay, I need to surround myself with people who are going to uh, help me and guide me and and speak, speak life into me, which uh, Pastor Sean and Sonny were very, very uh, great in that. But at the same time, they never said, tough it out. They're very behind the scenes, uh, blessing my family more than I thought they were. So, But my dad needed to know certain things and not certain things because I didn't want him to skew my calling. If that makes sense. Yeah. You're talking, what you're talking about right now is, is a, a, a little bit of a reconciled relationship where yeah. now the dad feels like he's got a little bit of street cred where he could, because of a title. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He can come in and now be the dad that he was supposed to be. Yeah. Or should have been way back. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean he's a bad guy. It just means that the timing of his, relationship with Jesus, things begin to kick in. Yeah. Talk about the tension because I've heard guys talk about that before. My dad, my dad was not in my life. And then when he got in my life and he got things right with Jesus, or he thought he had mm-hmm. segue into my life again. Yeah. Uh, he began to act like a dad. Yeah. And I did, I, w- I was, I was, I'd been an orphan up until now. And now you're, you're the one that abandoned me and left me. And and now you're wanting to speak into my life again. Talk about that static tension. Well, I think the big thing we had, the tension was trying to bring some old habits back into our new relationship. Mm. And so he, he would say things a certain way as I remember as a kid. And, and I had to have the strength, which wasn't always easy to go. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. Like, and I'm, you know, I'm not going to think that way. I'm not going to go that way. And so there were some old habits and some old hurts that he was dealing with that he was trying to instill on me. Um, example was my marriage. Uh, when I got engaged to my uh, my wife, Shelby, I mean, it was real. I, I remember I got the ring and I showed my dad the ring and I mm. said, hey, it's mm. I'm, I'm going to ask her. Yeah. And my dad telling me at the moment he did like Shelby, but an old habit of um, this old hurt, I would say. Old hurt, yeah. That's uh, good. For my dad old was hurt. this um, hurt he had from, quote unquote, American women. And so he <laughs> said, hey, before you get engaged, I think you should go to the Philippines. I go, why? He goes, just in case maybe you find someone that might suit you better. And so I said, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Oh, mm-hmm. why would I do that? Yeah. And he was trying to teach me something out of an old hurt, mm-hmm. out of an old thing he was dealing with. And I said, mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. that's unhealthy thinking. That's really good. It's, it's not. That's good. And I'm not going to apply that. Yeah. And so, um, and there was times, because he would give me advice as we're living with each other and the mindset of, you know, and this is before I went to full-time ministry, he was trying to instill things into me as I was doing internship and, and ministry and pursuing things that I was like, are we going to get to a point where we disagree so much that he's going to tell me to leave? Mm. And I had to be comfortable with that. Well, you know what? I might lose a a room, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. but thankfully it never happened. Yeah. But, but at the same time, I'm thankful that I just said, I know that you think that way, but that's not how I'm going to live. 
And I know that you're going through that mindset and that, that old routine and that old hurt that you are wanting to put back into this new relationship, mm. but I'm not going to allow that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hey, we're not eating bread anymore. <laughs> you yeah. know? Right. Sorry. It's good. And so you can say a donut's not bread. It's bread. You can it's say bread. cake's not bread. It's bread. Yeah. You know? So if you're, if there's certain things you're not going to bring into your new life, you got to remember that there's certain, you know, that, that you have to define things as it is. That's old yeah. thinking. That's old habits. That's old hurt. And we're not, I don't want to bring that into our new relationship. Yeah. So when, when, when you talk about all of that, I hear a, a, a two way story going on mm -hmm. about, um, about this healing with, about this healing with your earthly dad, but also this new experience with your heavenly father. And yes. you're, you're transacting a, a, a vertical relationship with your heavenly father, but a horizontal relationship Mm -hmm. with your earthly dad yes, and the vertical trumps the earthly all the time. Yeah. So talk about the transition of for a while, I, I had a problem with God because my earthly dad abandoned me, mm -hmm. but I've overcome that. I'm, I'm in a relationship. I'm working through that. Yeah. Talk about any dysfunction that, that transferred itself from the vertical relationship with your earthly dad to your vertical relationship with your heavenly father. Ooh. So I didn't realize how much I needed to hear someone say, I'm proud of you <laughs> until I heard my heavenly father say it. And I broke down. There you go. Like I, I was in a worship moment and I felt like, um, the pastor at the time said, Hey, I feel like God's going to speak to you guys and be, listen, and, and it's going to be something you hear. And I, and, and, and so I'm in a room with people who are, who are, it's silent, it's quiet, it's still. And all of a sudden the first break happens. Someone's crying, mm. someone's losing it. Another break happens, another break. And I go, okay. So I'm trying to not listen to the crying, but at the same time, I'm believing that the presence of God is in the room. And so I'm still, I, my eyes are closed and I feel so strongly. God say, I'm so proud of you. Mm. And man, I mean, even now I, I go, don't, yeah. nope, I don't want to cry yeah, yeah, on this yeah. podcast, yeah, got it. but the power of that, I'm proud of you. And so that fueled me, even when I didn't believe my earthly father was proud of me. And I think the reason that I didn't hear that a lot was because he never heard it. Mm. And so, or, and so he would love me. He said, I love you. And, and that's great, but sometimes we'll say, I love you just to say it. But man, I need it. I pr I'm proud of you. Mm -hmm. Proud of you. Talk about for a minute, because you just, you keep going cycling back to it. Yeah. Without saying it. But yeah. you, you keep talking about your dad didn't know what he didn't know. Correct. So let's talk about that part of it when we talk to other fatherless guys yeah. who are trying to transact that. Yeah. Uh, um, because it helps with forgiveness, but it makes it more difficult. Yeah. And I think I, I mean, to the fatherless guys, I, I understand because there was a season I did not have a father. I, I kept him out of my life. Mm -hmm. And so I know some people like easier said than done. You're, you're, you have a relationship with your dad, mm -hmm. but the, I think the formative years of my spiritual growth was with no father. With no father. And so, but what happened with that is I had to realize I do not have a right now, 
Now, at the moment, my mindset, I'll never. I am fatherless. That was my mindset at the time, is I don't have a, a earthly father, but I have a heavenly father. And so, therefore, I'm going to pursue and embrace my heavenly father. That's why I worship like I worship, and that's why I pray like I pray, because I made him the father of fathers, mm. which, again, I did not try to replace him with another man. I never did that. I never said, well, you're going to be my father. Mm -hmm. you, and now there are people that were like fathers in my life, but they weren't the father that mm -hmm. I pursued like I would pursue my uh, any other uh, earthly father. And so that was so... Um, strong in my life, that pursuit from 15 when I gave my life to Jesus until 17 when I reunited with my dad, there was a few years of going, you are the, God, you are the father I will pursue, you, my heavenly father. Mm -hmm. And here's what I can tell you, even right now, if you've been trying to pursue your heavenly father, but you've, you don't know how to do that because you've never had an earthly father, I, I would, I would strongly say, um, that should cause you to say, God, speak to me. God, mm. reveal things to me. Mm -hmm. God, help me. If anything, it should not cause you to be reserved in your worship and your prayer and your and your studies, because those are ways that we can be intimate with the Father. And I think that for fatherless people, that's what we want more than anything right. is intimacy with our Father. Right. Right. And so you can get that with your Heavenly Father. He did everything he needed to do to be intimate with us. Mm -hmm. That's why he gave us Jesus. Mm -hmm. He became that sacrifice because he knew there's a gap between our intimacy that I don't want anymore. And so Jesus came and became the ultimate sacrifice. And here's why I was just reading Matthew and this, the part where he, he says, Jesus is on the, the, uh, the cross and he says, Eli, how do you, Eli, you know, father, why have you forsaken me? He left because Jesus became the sin. He took that sin that God had to turn away from. But because of the resurrection, we now have, we are in right standing with God. Mm -hmm. So the intimacy and everything that we can have with God, the father is available. Mm -hmm. And he's saying, do not bring in though your earthly stat stature. Right. For That's good. For, That's for, really for good. Heavenly, uh, intimacy. Yep. So there's two things. The Bible says a lot of stuff, but yeah. there are two things that are abundantly clear mm -hmm. throughout scripture, not only straightforward, but in, uh, inferred and intimated mm -hmm. that first of all, God is, a, is the father of yes. all that exists, creation, people, but he's a, he's a father to his people. Yes. God, the father. Yes. But he 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 makes this one statement at several places in scripture and he actually points out and puts his finger on I am a father to the fatherless. Yes. I'm a father to orphans. Yep. Where when they didn't have a father, mm -hmm. I'm their father. Yes. And the day that I walked into that understanding mm -hmm. was actually the day that my healing began. Amen. Just that point where I went, you know, I felt there's a, there's, there's a spirit of orphan on fatherless fathers. They have an orphan spirit. Yeah. And I'm about to release a whole blog series on, on being an orphan mm -hmm. and what an orphan spirit is. But in short, an orphan spirit is... I know that I've been abandoned and I know that I've been valuated mm -hmm. by my, by being abandoned because I was worth nothing. 
Therefore, I will do everything on my own and I don't need anybody. Yeah. Well, when you take that relationship into trying to be a Jesus guy, it does not work. Yeah. Yeah. It will not work. Mm -hmm. And God will, will, will create circumstances and things in your life that will make you say, Mm -hmm. I don't care. I don't care how gifted you are as a, as, as a man, Mm -hmm. a minister, an entrepreneur, yeah. A dad, I don't care how gifted you are. Mm-hmm. If you don't understand that that when you when you were dubbed fatherless, mm-hmm. you became an orphan. Yeah. And you, you we get this mentality especially men that I don't need anybody. I'll do it on my own. But then that's where the coping mechanisms mm-hmm. and the terrible habits come into play mm-hmm. and the ways that we try to do things to cope with mm-hmm. as much as we're saying we're not coping, but we're coping. Yeah. Right. So talk about, talk about now mm-hmm. to pastors, yeah. shepherds, yeah. whether you're a worship guy, a youth guy, mm-hmm. a senior leader, an, an executive pastor, talk to the pastors about how important how important it is to develop your relationship with your heavenly father. Oh, that's really good. And what it looks like. Um, so I think the biggest thing that we need to do to, to be fuel, to have a relationship with our heavenly father is you said it, we can't bring earthly mindsets into it. When Galatians two twenty says that we, that when Paul says I was crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. What that means is I die to everything that is keeping me from Christ being alive in me. And so therefore, if I want to have and live out the truths and the unfailing love and the power that we get from our Heavenly Father, we need to kill anything that's keeping it from Mm -hmm. that. Meaning if you study a word and God says, I am this in you, or I have this promise on your life, and you have a hard time agreeing with it, you need to go, God, I kill that mindset in my life. Mm. Kill that thought, Mm. kill that heart, kill that way of thinking out of me so that I can embrace that. Because God wants to speak to you. He wants to heal you. He He wants to strengthen you. He wants to give you a path. And so what do we need to do? We need to trust him with all of our heart. What Proverbs says, trust him with all our heart. And don't lean on our own understanding. Yeah. So our way of doing things, yeah. we're not leaning on that it's anymore. Good. And all our ways, we're going to acknowledge him. Yeah. So meaning everything, you're in it, and you're going to promise yeah. to be a straight yeah. path. So, so talking talking to these guys, yeah. these pastors, mm-hmm. um, first off, if you if you want to connect with, with us, you can do so through fatherseekers.org. Mm-hmm. Pastor Dallas's information is on the on there as well. You can contact him directly. Mm-hmm. We did your story in reverse order. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We started. We started reverse. So, yeah. As we as we wrap it, I started playing the music because I just like the music. Yeah. Uh, it's it's no worries. I, it's cool. But tell people what you do today. What what your thing is today. What what do you do? Where do you work? So I am the location pastor at Life Church Green Bay, and what that means is I'm over the day-to-day operations of our 
Green Bay location mm-hmm. uh, here at Life Church, uh, and I've been here seven years in in the wonderful state of Green Bay. And so, uh, yeah, so I get to do yeah. the just the day to day things. I'm, I I get to oversee and help lead the staff here and just the day to day operations. So that's, yeah, that's my position. Yeah, and you're super dad. You're yeah. Oh yeah, I'm trying to be. I got dad of three. Uh, yeah. Did I already bring that? Yeah, my yeah. 13, yeah, I'm 13 you, you year did, old. You did a little bit, not yeah. a lot, but super dad. Um, you know, I, I have twins, and 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 um, which I, I do love them so much. I have two girls and a boy, and um, and that's yeah. And again, that's one thing that I I really learned from was you know as a as a father who uh, who didn't have the best father. I'm not going to allow that to keep me from being the best father. So mm-hmm. I'm learning and growing to be the the best dad I can be, uh, which isn't perfect, but also um, is continual and consistent. Yeah. yeah. And 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 being in their life. Yeah. So. so if you could say one thing to to dads who are pastors. Yeah. And we really are going to wrap it up this time. <laughs> to dads who are to dads who are pastors. Yeah. What would you say to them? about yes do not mm-hmm. do not repeat history yeah just because you think you're fixed because mm-hmm. it's still residual in us yeah what are what are two things you would say to dads mm-hmm. who are pastors your family is your first ministry yeah if you cannot get your family if you cannot get your family right you won't get your church right yeah do not do right. not put your family over your church mm-hmm I'm telling you, I've we've seen too many dudes do it, yeah. and they lost their it's family true. and won, won the church. You will win the church when you win your family, yeah. and so make your make your family your priority, yeah. and God will bless your church because of it. Yeah. So uh, that's why I would say to pastors, fathers, is I know that that there's some we people want to people are wanting to pray with them all the time and things like that. And that's great. But there has to be time that you give to your family yeah. and that you can be in their, their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, and I believe if we put that in the right order, God, if, if, if you say, God bless my family, help that to be my priority. He will bless your church because yeah. of that. Yeah. That's so good. That's one piece. And that's one of those pieces that if we can really grasp mm-hmm. and hold on to, we're going to be, cycle breakers yes because there are cycles that are in us yep as fatherless guys even regardless of what we do that we still have to keep an eye on and keep check on until they're washed away yeah until there's no no residual effect to it hey thanks for being here mm-hmm. thank you yeah yeah it's great yeah you're a fun guy actually <laughs> i wrote i wrote on your on your sheet on your bio yeah. that you have the loudest loudest happiest funnest laugh that's ever been recorded in human history. And, and I laugh every time people bring you, it you up. Rap, <laughs> you laugh all the time. I do. It's uh, yeah, actually it, it, it is so funny when you laugh, when you look back, it's just to me, every time I hear you laugh, uh-huh. we should have talked about this, but we didn't. Yeah. But every time I hear you laugh, I think about like your, I see your whole story in just a picture and I go, there you go. There you go. Look at God. Bang. There, there's, <laughs> There's the there's an example of what God can do. Yes. If you'll be a Joseph for a few minutes. Come on. Come on. He'll go. take you from the pit to the palace. This is Barry Edgeman with Father Seekers, and this is Teach Me to Father. We'll see you again soon.